Yo, mates, Cheeky Volley, episode 27, Men's French Open Preview. What's up, Asher? Yo, what's up? Mate, so we've been chatting a lot about switching rackets, and I know you've been on the fence about either getting the V-Core Pro or the ESO 98. Any thoughts about maybe getting the head speed after the Joker match? Yes, but then I realized that I also tried the racket in 2014 and uh, you, you maybe have to be as good as the best tennis player in history to, to be able to use it. So the, maybe just going to go for the Yonex uh, VCore 98. Fair enough. Sketchy racket. All right, mate, let's get to the match. Joker, Nadal, this was the 58th time they've played. Djokovic led the rivalry by one. E- easily one of the greatest French Open semifinals of all time. Maybe one of the greatest matches of all time. The third set. The intensity of each game, never really seen anything like it. Mate, can you break down the match, go a bit into the rivalry and discuss what was at stake? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, amazing match. Uh, the third set was was ridiculous. Um, I think, so A lot uh, after the match, a lot of people sort of kind of were, were talking about how this was like a, a monumental upset and how it was like an unbelievable Djokovic performance but um i disagree with that and then sort of to sort of i'll I'll break down sort of the history of the rivalry as as to explain why i disagree because i think novak actually has the matchup advantage if you uh if you listen to our french open final preview from last year i predicted like a novak straight sets win so if we just insert last year's (laughs) last year's podcast into this year's semi-final preview i think everything holds but yeah, so so to to go into the history, so um, they they first played at at Roland Garros in two thousand six um, in the quarterfinals. Rafa won in straight sets, but sorry, Rafa didn't win it. He won the first two sets quite easily, and then Novak retired. And then for some reason, after the the match in the in the press conference, Novak sort of told the media that he he felt like he dominated the rallies, <laughs> which was interesting but yeah this was just <laughs> yeah, six four six four retired don't even play, <laughs> dominate the rallies I, I felt like i was in control out there okay okay bro <laughs> um and then we went into 2007 so then this is where novak has sort of um he he beat nadal earlier that year but but again he lost in straight sets in, in the semifinals. but he's he, this is, is still his like early improvement stage in his career then 2008, which is Rafa's best year ever at Roland Garros, uh, Novak did pretty well. He's, he still lost in straight sets, but he took one set to tie break, which was the closest set Rafa played in that year's tournament. But it was, it was 2009 where sort of he finally started coming closer on clay and they played all three masters. And then in Monte Carlo, he took him to three sets. And then in Madrid, they probably played the best three set match in tennis history four four and a half hours. Uh, Rafa won three six seven six seven six. Saved saved Classic. some match points there. So that was when Novak was kind of getting um, getting sort of stuck into to Rafa on clay a bit. But this was pre gluten, remember? So he was still kind of not there physically at his peak. And then gluten, the 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 removal of gluten is where everything changed in two thousand eleven. So then he finally started really comfortably beating Rafa on the the hard courts. Um, and then on clay as well. So he he beat him in straight sets in in Madrid, seven five seven five, and then he beat him in Rome, six four six four. And then th- this is kind of where his his matchup advantage really sort of crystallized. And what happened is that 
he kind of sort of became confident physically and he was just able to beat Rafa playing a very solid, consistent game. And sort of before that, the theory had been that to beat Rafa, you really needed to, uh, to sort of just like out hit him and just like really hit through him. And then everyone thought that the guys would beat him would be like the guys like Del Potro or Sodling. But the thing is to, to do that against Rafa on clay, killer Fritz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to do that against Rafa on clay is just extremely hard and it requires um, super, super low margin for error, right? But Novak then sort of in that state showed that he could just rally and then just beat Rafa just from the back and just be better than Rafa on clay. And, and Rafa didn't really have any solutions to that uh, if Novak was playing sort of close to his best. But then like over the years kind of, it was a bit up and down, but I would still say that Novak had the edge. It's just that at the French Open, he, um, he didn't really produce his like close to his best game. And then Rafa was always too solid. Uh, so they played in 2013 when Novak was actually up uh, in the fifth set. He had a breakup and then he, he hit a, a smash and then the racket hit the net in the fifth set at 3-1. And then um, Rafa came back to win in 9-7. And then in 2014, uh, Novak was a set up, but then he kind of just drifted. And that's been like a recurring pattern in these games that Novak has been losing, especially last year. It's kind of, he forgot how, how he was beating Rafa in the first place. And that was just backing himself physically, grinding with Rafa out there. He kind of decided to, to sort of unload a lot more, um, play a lot more drop shots. And then when things weren't going well, like complaining a lot, doing his classic uh, off balance, <laughs> a weird body language uh, thing. So, yeah, so... I, I think given given sort of where that where he was in the matchup with Rafa, like he, he should have been winning these these matches at the French Open as well, even though the surface is slightly different to Madrid and Rome that, that he has been losing. And yeah, I've, I've always backed uh, Novak in the matches, especially at, at the French Open, it's just that he hasn't produced. So going into yesterday's match, um, so the first five games went, went kind of <laughs> typical as to what it was last year. So Novak was trying to unload a lot. He was missing. He was playing a lot of drop shots. He was um, complaining. His body language didn't look great. But then after five love down, he, f he finally kind of remembered why he was beating Rafa in the first place and that he just needed to, uh, and that to pass the exam, basically, he just needed to just stay on court for as long as possible and, and not give Rafa anything at all. And, and Rafa's form has been extremely sketchy this year, by the way. So in the run-up to this tournament, he had a, he lost to Sitsipas in the Australian Open, two sets to love up. Uh, he played a very sketchy tie-break in the third set there. He missed a really easy shot in the tie-break, which cost him that when he lose the match. He lost to Rublev in Monte Carlo. He, uh, he, he almost lost to Sitsipas in, uh, in Barcelona at match points. Uh, he lost to Zverev in in uh, Madrid and then he uh, was match point down against Shapovalov in Rome so Rafa's form has been really sketchy and you can kind of tell his forehand has just been slightly off he's been serving a ton of double faults but he's kind of just been getting through um, like his his best level I think he's he's played like a couple of sets the last set against Diego and the last set against Sinner that's when he really found his level but he was I, I felt he was definitely there for the taking if Novak could produce and then after five love down, he finally decided that he was just gonna rally out there, um, just not make any mistakes. 
And if you look at the ground strokes he's playing, there's like a ton of margin for error. He wasn't really unloading on any of the shots. And then Rafa, he was at like a C plus or a B minus game. He kind of, he wasn't there, but and Novak was better by like three to 4% just from the back from five love down in the first set. But uh, the thing is that Rafa, he's, he's so good in the big moments that he can kind of be worse by three and three or 4%, but still win a match because it's so hard to, it's still so hard to win points against him. And that's kind of what it came down to is that even though he was worse, he still had a chance. He still had like a, he had a set point in the third set. He, uh, he, he played some terrible points in the tie break. And that, that like, that's, I, I'm not going to say that's where he lost the match because he, he was definitely w- worse than Novak for the last three and a half sets. Right. But that's where he could have won the match and he might have done in previous years. Um, it's just that his, his form has definitely been worse. And I think, Sort of that that's part of a longer trend over the last couple of years where he he isn't quite as best but obviously being not quite as best is, is still has still easily been good enough for him to to win the french open like every year absolute cracker for match <laughs> as always putting it into brilliant perspective mate can you talk a little bit about that third set yeah i mean so th- that was the, the most intense match but that set Every single game, you could just feel the amount of pressure during each service game. If they went down love 15 or love 30, 15, 30, all it would take would be one break until the other one runs with it. There were a good number of breaks in that match and within mm-hmm. that set as well, but I haven't really seen a set like that in a long time. Any pivotal no. moments for you? I mean, um, so after Joker won the third, did you expect that to go to five? Or for him to run away with it the way he did and win it so convincingly, how, the way he broke him doll. Um, so the second point first, um, I think when Rafa went two two zero up in the set, I I was still very confident that um, that Novak was going to break him at least once. Like I I felt there was zero probability that Rafa was going to hold serve the rest of the way. Um, I think Rafa did lose it a bit physically, and Novak definitely. Uh, he upped his game a, a bit. He started sort of going a bit close to the line. So like the, 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 the shots he was playing is more of like a shot making type of set from him compared to what was going on earlier. Um, I, I didn't necessarily expect him to, to run away with it 6-2, but at the same time, it wasn't surprising given that I thought he, he had been better than Rafa from, from the back um, for the majority of the match. In terms of the third set, it was just, uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. I think it, it must've been the longest set that I've ever seen at a major. Um, also, how do you feel about the Djokovic and Nadal backhand return moon balls? You notice yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Deep was the baseline on the, on the return, about eight, 10 feet behind the baseline, moon ball within inches of the baseline. I, th- I think I really enjoyed watching that because it, was, it basically was uh, an indicator that neither guy was going to risk losing a point. <laughs> they really wanted to force the other guy to play as many balls as possible. And just, just, it was like, uh, it was basically saying, okay, I'm prepared to be out here seven hours. Let's go. <laughs> and they were both doing it. And it was really impressive from Novak because this is not something that he has done against Rafa, especially at the, the French Open over the last five years. Also, uh, it, sh- it should be noted that the conditions definitely helped Novak. Um, the ball was bouncing a lot less than it, than it would have done if they were playing in during the day because at, at night the conditions are a bit cooler, sort of slower bouncing and uh, sorry, lower bouncing and a bit slower as well. So that definitely helped him. But 
but yeah, that that third set, it was like Novak should have won it six four, but then when he didn't win it six four, he he definitely choked. Uh, he was thirty love up at five four, uh, and he missed an easy short forehand. And then after that, everyone must have been expecting Rafa just going to take it, and he kind of almost did. And then it was just. It was uh, it was incredible. Like the like every rally was fifteen shots. Um, I don't remember just... what point in the fourth set. Do you remember the point mid court? Nadal missed an easy volley, pivotal moment. Yeah, in the in the very, in the tie uh, break, similar to Sitsipas. Yeah, Nadal exactly. Exactly. Felt game of margins, such an intense match. Felt. Did not feel good after after that uh, that point. Yeah, I think Nadal in like peak Nadal, like he uh, he he obviously never misses that. And uh, so so it, it, if you if if we sort of reference a similar match in which I think Nadal was worse from the back but still won would be the 2009 Australian Open final, where I think Federer was definitely better from the back of the court. Federer played a great match, and then Rafa was just like um, producing ridiculous ridiculous shots in in like the tight moments right like the like the end of the third set sort of end of the first set and then was just was just winning those and then he just didn't get those and then he also hit a double fall in the tie break he also missed a smash i think earlier earlier in the third set a very easy smash at the net you know who also missed a smash in the first game of the match joker <laughs> like 10 feet out wide yeah yeah, the, the, the beginning of the match was was not the best. Um, where, where, like, watching it, sort of watching that third set, what, what, what were you what were you feeling? Was this? Did you think that this was like the best set of tennis you'd ever seen? Easily. The, the shot making of both of them, every single point, right? I mean, each, each game. I think maybe there was one love game, possibly one love game, when when Nadal had broken back. Hmm. Incredible. This yeah, is, for me, this is this is I'm putting this in the top three, top four matches I've seen, not just yeah, on in, clay, generally. Um, this, yeah, it wasn't even though I, 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 I agree with you, I think the doll was slightly off. I still mm. think, given yeah, the doll's record, his ability to win these matches when he wins the yeah. first set for Djokovic to just dig, and generally, you can we can you can see him committing to this this plan, kind of see the stubbornness out there manifest mm. itself. I was, it was. So good. yeah, I think I think what made this match more significant. I I I don't think this was the match where they were both playing at their uh, absolutely best uh, shot making wise uh, throughout. I think the Wimbledon semifinal in 2018 was like a better example of that. But in terms of just playing sort of real clay court tennis and just like staying out there <laughs> uh, and hitting just consistent deep um, hard shots. Um, this was right up there, but sort of the, the significance of this was more to do with the stakes. So I think we we did a recap before uh, a couple of years ago in which we sort of broke down the the greatest matches of all time by different different categories. And in terms of stakes, I don't think you could get higher than this <laughs> because it was just so significant. Because if, if Rafa wins, he probably beats Tsitsipas. He gets the record for most majors ever. Uh, that's pretty significant <laughs> and then if Novak wins uh, he's actually beaten Rafa when Rafa is sort of um, in and around his peak on clay like he, he's won four French Opens in a row uh, he beat him in 2015 but Rafa in 2015 was was like a shell of himself right he was he was injured and stuff but uh, this was something that Novak hadn't really done before and 
getting to two French opens is like usually significant and then getting to 19 sort of just makes the pass, path to beat um, Roger and Rafa uh, much easier. So yeah, just the, what was that play I think was made the match really uh, stand out. And yeah, completely agree. You, you could feel, you could feel the stakes each point throughout the match and the desperation. Also, one thing I really enjoyed, I don't know if you caught this, Djokovic used to play the shot a lot early in his career. I think he's phased it out to some extent last couple of years. The, essentially, the forehand cross-court topspin drop shot, pulling you off the court when he steps in. He's doing that a lot in this match, especially second and third set. You, you mean the, dro- the drop shot or the, the short the short angle? Um, short angle. Forehand. Short topspin. Short, yeah, short topspin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he used that really well. Uh that was a you know 2007 to 2010. Yeah, concept. yeah, yeah. He really yeah. started to phase it out, but it was worth yeah. point during this match. Yeah, I think because he became so good at taking the ball early and sort of taking the forehand up the line, and then also sort of in the last three four years, the the consensus wisdom against Rafa has been that you need to attack the forehand to get a short ball because Rafa kind of just like spins it with his like. Uh, lasso lasso follows through and then the ball drops short and then you can attack after that so that's been the received uh, the, the the wisdom that sort of mark Pesci was talking has been talking about as well but that's a very high risk high risk shot um and novak was very disciplined in terms of just always going back to the backhand always going back to the backhand getting him off court on the backhand side and that's something if you notice that medvedev did a lot as well in the us open final when when he came back, sort of, he was always hitting his back and up the line because he didn't want Rafa. Uh, he didn't want to go for the high margin shot. He was happy to to to, to just sit there and rally all day with uh, with him. And and Novak did the same thing. And he, he that was yeah that, that was probably the the key to the match. That was that pattern of play definitely uh, favored Novak and and sort of uh, made him be the better player from the back. Real quick, before we get to the final, you know how in Paris this year during the tournament, there's been a, a nighttime curfew. So during some matches, there's spectators. And as you get later into the night, they end up having to leave. So in this match, obviously, Pesci was commentating. And there's a big question of, all right, this is going to be a long third set, definitely a fourth, possibly a fifth. Is there any situation in which the curfew would be suspended and the crowd would stay? So, you know, the crowd did end up staying. Now, according to Pecci, I don't know if you saw his tweet. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one, one, one of the French Open administrators, former player Guy Forget, got to number four in the world in 91, won 11 titles. So, according to Pech, someone at the G7 meeting on the French side said, <laughs> call Forget and remind him about the curfew. What really yeah, happened was someone misheard and phoned him to say that he should forget the curfew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it was like someone called him and said, "Make sure he doesn't forget the curfew." <laughs> that got misinterpreted, but it's uh, it's, uh, it's really it's really strong from the from the person who relayed the message to to relay it in that way, and then just take plausible deniability, just saying that oh, this is what I what I heard. So pretty cheeky. very strong. Pretty that cheeky. guy, very cheeky. We need to get him on the pod. He deserves uh, he deserves a medal for that one. All right, mate. Joker, Sitsipas, and Djokovic leads 5-2. It's the second time they're playing in a slam. So they played last year in the semifinals, which went to five sets. Who are you taking? Um, so this is the type of question that I uh, 
don't like to answer <laughs> because it just assumes that the probability of that that happening is like 100%. So I can tell you that the the betting markets have uh, Novak as a 73% favorite and Tsitsipas as a 27%. Um, so I will kind of disagree with that. I think Tsitsipas has a much better chance. I think maybe 35 to 40%. I think Tsitsipas took him to five sets of the French Open last year. But even though he did that, Novak was kind of a much better player. But Tsitsipas has really improved a lot. His form, I think he's been um, like a top two or top three, or definitely top two clay court player this season. Um, they had a really tight match in Rome, which Novak won uh, four, six, seven, five, seven, five. But Tsitsipas served for the match in the second and third sets, I think. Um I think the matchup is not great for Novak because Tsitsipas, um, so firstly, he has, a, he has an excellent serve. Secondly, he, he's able to grind from the back without, and he isn't too aggressive, so he doesn't give Novak the opportunity to counterpunch, which Novak loves. Um, Tsitsipas is an incredible mover at the back, so he, he's happy to, to hit deep, hard uh, forehand cross courts like all day. And then his, his backhand is pretty reliable as well these days. He can mix it up with a slice. So he doesn't let Novak counterpunch. And then he also defends really well. So, and he can mix things up as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not the ideal type of guy who Novak would like to play. Um, Novak would love to play a guy who, who hits really big and tries to hit through him. And then Novak can just like counterpunch and, and use the pace uh, playing early from the baseline against him. Um, I think, I kind of think Novak in four maybe, but I don't think, I don't think he runs away with it. I think there's going to be some close situations. Um, so I think Novak in four, but if it goes to five, then I, I think it could be one that Tsitsipas wins. How much of a question mark is it Djokovic's fitness going to this match? A tough one to call. I would not be too surprised if this went straight sets. Hmm. It is Tsitsipas' first slam. I don't think he's the type of player to have much nerves about that, but I could see him losing the first set. I could see Djokovic losing the first set, physically being yeah, out yeah, of it. And then, yeah. So yeah. if he loses the first set, I'm thinking 6-2, 6-3 maybe. See him go down early and then suddenly he picks up. I can't see him losing it though. So you can't, or you can? I can't see Djokovic losing. You, you can't see him losing. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but could any of us see Djokovic losing to to Stan in the the 2015 French Open final? Considering the shorts Stan was wearing, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, That's a good shout. Yeah. That was four sets, right? That he was lost. four sets. He won the so, first set and then lost in straight after. So yeah, so. I would say that Novak in that he's he's played a lot of finals in which he's he's been the better player, but he he hasn't come come out and just like dusted the other guy, right? So 2015 was a good example in which he was he was a bit nervous because he hadn't won the French Open before. Even 2016, when it was his uh, he had that to win the four in a row. He lost the first set to Andy, sort of didn't come out looking his best. He um in these in these types of matches, he I, th- I feel like he does take a bit of time to get to get sort of into his best form, into into a rhythm. I can definitely see see what you just said, in which he he loses the first set, and then maybe he's like a break point down in the second, and then saves it, and then just wins the next three easily. Uh, I can definitely see that happening. Classic Djokovic. <laughs> um, Again, first set looking 
a bit puzzled. Yeah, exactly. Really opening up his chest to, to breathe, maybe losing yeah, sound for a little bit, getting run yeah. out wide, yelling at the yeah, umpire, like, possibly a little bit. No, like he, he wouldn't yell at the umpire. I think sort of he would be more a bit um, a bit too nervous to yell at the umpire. He he would th- this wouldn't Fair be enough. his like ang- angry mode. He he would start maybe squinting with his eyes, like uh, oh my god, like <laughs> I, I can't I can't see properly. Um, but Sitsipas is really 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 good, uh, and he's he's mentally really good as well. Like it's not you don't have the same worries you do when Sasha plays a, a final, for example, <laughs> or even, even, even Dominic team has been known to, known to get very tight as well. Right. But an uh, underrated part of Sitsipas game that I've noticed for a couple of years now, and he can, seems to just keep getting better at it. Mid court. He has to be right now. One of the best. If he gets a short ball, mm. rarely misses the point. Yeah. His, uh, and the thing is, when he gets a short ball, he's also very confident because his net game is excellent. Um, yeah. So he's he's confident just playing uh, like an eighty percent shot. Like a lot of a lot of these guys against against Rafa and Novak, they try to go for like hundred and twenty percent shots, and then they sometimes get scared of coming into the net. Um, you see so the they, moon ball return strategy. You, you see Djokovic doing that in this match as well, or going going a bit bigger. No, I don't think so. I think he's he's just so good off the return. Um, he 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 won't he won't need to use that in this in this matchup as well. I, I think he just used that maybe just to, to mix things up. Made made sure he he got into rallies with Rafa um, with that strategy. I I don't I don't see him using it here. Um, Team peppering the city bus backhand, just pulling him yeah, into the corner. Yeah, but the Sitsipas backhand has been very, very stable. Yeah, very stable. Like he, he can't. He, a lot of rotation on the ball as well. Yeah, it's a quite uh, deceptive shot where he really gets under it and it really. Yeah, yeah. Forehand, forehand, backhand, both. It's it's very underrated how much spin he's getting on them, and how heavy he's hitting them because he he uses quite conventional grips. I think on the forehand, it's it's like an eastern stroke, extreme eastern. It's not really. Um, semi-western stroke western but he really gets a lot of work on it and hits a really heavy ball his his forehand cross court especially is uh, is excellent so he he kind of just uses that uh, to stay in rallies and to to, um, to kind of break down the opponent's forehand go with the score line I I think 4-6 uh, 7-5 Six three six two. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's very similar. One thing I'm thinking: two six seven six six mm. three six three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as in, if Novak loses um, the first and wins the second, he's 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 gonna run away with it, right? That's that's something that we've seen so often from from the big guys from all all of the big three. But if this goes to five, you're going with Sitsipas. If it goes five, I think I go with Tsitsipas, yeah. Oh, as in, it, it, it sort of depends a lot on how the match has played out uh, till then. I would love but, to see him win this tournament. And if he could do it in such a fashion as beating Djokovic, incredible. But I'd also like to see Djokovic finish this tournament out after beating Nadal. Yeah, yeah, he definitely I'd deserves love, I it. I want to see him win it. Yeah. He, he, he deserves it after that. But I think, I think one, one interesting thing in which if you look at his mindset, I was talking yesterday to someone about this, is that um, it's like 
Rafa and uh, Roger, sort of the reasons why they play tennis, it, it feels like they just love playing tennis and they love competing. Oh, wait, or, or according to Djokovic's dad, <laughs> what did he say? Why do they keep playing? Or why does he Roger said, keep he, playing? He said Roger keeps playing because he's, uh, he's, he's uh, scared that he's going to get overtaken and he's trying desperately to, ho- to hold <laughs> his records. And Meanwhile, then he should just go and enjoy his life. And he, he says Djokovic plays because it's just his talent. He's just his hobby, right? He's just good at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely. I think it's definitely the other way in which those two guys love playing tennis and love competing, and right. and Novak is is desperate for the records. Absolute jokes. We need to have another episode about this. Given the this recent semifinal, the way Djokovic played, the year he's had, what is to say about the goat discussion? So less, I've always less concerned about the stats in terms of who has the most slams generally. So I've always been of the view that um, if kind of, if, if Novak can get another French or get close to or sort of beat Rafa, especially at the French, then even if he's like one behind Rafa, I think he's had the better career. If you look at the, the totality of it, like, okay, sure. He, like if he wins this French open, he's had one less major than Rafa, but he's had more tournament wins, more masters wins, more finals wins. Uh, way more weeks at number one, more years at number one. So I think if you look at that career as a whole, you would probably take that over Rafa's, right? And and he's also, and him and Rafa are of the same generation. Like Federer is definitely sort of um, the generation before uh, because he's six years older than Novak. So I think given that Novak has consistently beaten Rafa when they've both been in their primes physically and game-wise, and the fact that his uh, the totality of his career is is just wider in terms of what he's accomplished. I think Novak, he he's I I would say that he's he's greater than Rafa. Um, whether he's greater than Fed, there there are some interesting arguments that you could use for Fed. For example, like people say that they're of the same generation. I mean, they're clearly not of the same generation. Like Federer played. I mean, he was 37 when he played Novak in the in the last final, right? As in, if if he was six years younger, I, I don't think he loses that match. Yeah, Federer played uh, Kafelnikov, right? Yeah, yeah. As in, Federer is of the same generation as Hewitt and Roddick, who who sort of stopped playing tennis in like 2000 and. 11 in Hewitt's case 2007 even though he stayed on tour for a few, a few years after. Think about that right how young Roddick retired he could have still been out there we know yeah, he's, he's yeah. burned out and just had enough of it I do miss Roddick yeah. playing anyway sides the point yeah so so I think maybe that's a discussion that we can have for like um, a full specialist goat podcast but I, I would say that there are some interesting arguments in favor of Roger that sort of don't get talked about um, one of which one of which is that um, I think that his game sort of it it sort of it would it would work it would belong at any point in tennis history, right? While while Novak sort of thrived in a in a in an era which is completely suited to his game, i.e., like the slow era, um, a lot of slow hard courts, um, slow grass courts. Mate, love that take. <laughs> yeah, and um, okay. Yeah, so- so if you if you put Roger basically in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or 2000s, he would be the best player in the world. If you put Novak in the 90s, Sampras is just is is kind of like he's basically going to be the Agassi of the 90s, right? Like Sampras is gonna is gonna have 14 and he's gonna have seven or eight. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's one thing that we can explore next time. But one thing that uh, I I don't think is ever mentioned when when the the goat discussion is is uh, is is discussed.
That'll be a good one. We'll do we'll do a proper U.S. Open preview for that one. We'll hold off. We'll have that discussion post Wimbledon. Yeah, because both post Wimbledon, it could be twenty twenty twenty. Yeah, Federer is <laughs> obviously <laughs> the co-favorite Wimbledon. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, we we'll do we we'll do a Wimbledon preview. Hopefully, hopefully from uh, live from Wimbledon. Hopefully, hopefully with some cheeky pints with Robbie Koenig. Yeah. All right, mates, Cheeky Volley, episode 27, men's French Open final preview. Brilliant breakdown by Asher. Asher, last call, four sets, Joker? I think four sets, Joker, is the, is the likely outcome, yes. Strong, mate, strong. All right, mates, till next time. Later, Asher. Well, peace.